0: Hey man, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You got some information, thoughts, or views that you want the world to hear? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other places people like to listen? Man, the big question though was how do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of those questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. So best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with the great sponsors too, so you can get paid to podcast. One of the benefits that I really loved about doing my podcast with Anchor is the ability to get my podcast on multiple platforms with the click of a button. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm backwards slash start. Go to anchor.fm slash start. One more time for the people in the back. Go to anchor.fm Slash start to join me in a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Till next time. Okay, 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 okay. Man, it is another, another, another. another episode of the page turner's podcast with your boy big l also known as elgin bailey also known as bishop heavyset voice man we are here with episode number 17 family grinding these joints out man still just as excited um about where this podcast is is growing and what is going um it is moving in the manner in which i desire growing in the manner in which i desire uh i know i had a homie man shout out to my homie sean and in, in the black podcast uh, i've been on his podcast a number of times great great friend wonderful brother um uh, He had talked about me coming in and doing some work on on his podcast, man, not doing some work, but being a guest on his podcast uh, to kind of help get the word out of what I'm doing with the page turners. And as much as I appreciate it, and I will go and hang out on In the Black, I'm not looking to do a whole bunch of things along those lines just to get the word out about the page turners because I know I was on social media man the past couple days and I see on people who have obviously listened to the page turners I've seen some of the things that I've said uh, harvest (laughs) because I'm planting seeds Uh, harvest, harvest on their Pages, a lot of Facebook statuses, man, and a lot of Twitter status, Twitter tweets, and you know things along those lines have been birthed from things that I have said here on the Page Turners podcast, man. Specifically dealing with Black theology and Black power by the late great Doctor James Cone, which we are dealing with, man, and and walking through on season one of the Page Turners. So I find it fascinating, though, man, that a lot of people will, you know, birth and take what you said here and add their little spin on it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not complaining at all, being shady or or petty about it. I am thankful that that type of stuff is taking place, man. I'm thankful that what is being said here on the page turners is being discussed out there. That's the goal. That is the goal, man, for the discussions that we have regarding books and things on here on the Page Turners, man. Let y'all run with it and take it. Uh, Just going through the usual housekeeping, man. If you want to support the Page Turners podcast, man, what we're trying to do here, uh, you can go on anchor.fm forward slash the page turners man uh it'll be in the description link and you can actually support the page turners financially if you so desire uh if you want to support the page turners man my, my cash app is at elgin bailey um anything you want to do and is a variety of ways of supporting with building care um uh, at the page turners so first off, I want to say thank you guys, man, for tuning in to everybody who's on, who's listening via Anchor, who's listening via Spotify, who's listening via iTunes, who's listening via Google, who's listening via Podbean. Man, no matter what plat- platform you are listening to, the page turned us with your boy on. Thank you, sincerely. But man, also make sure that you're sharing this information, man. Share with your people, man. Let the people know, hey, I'm listening to this dope podcast. This brother is doing X, Y, Z, A, B, C. Or I'm listening to this podcast where he says stuff I don't agree with, but I still listen. Take a listen. Share with folks what is going on, man. Share, share, share. Season one, we are dealing with Black Theology and Black Power by the late, great Dr. James H. Cone. We are currently in chapter four family chapter four and chapter four is titled the black church and black power the black church and black power and the text reads the progress of emancipation is is certain it is certain because that god who has made of one blood all nations of men who is said to be no respecter of persons, has decreed did I believe that it would always continue and that man to the end of time would be permitted with impunity to usurp the same undue authority over his fellows, I would ridicule the religion of the savior of the world. I would consider my Bible a book of false and delusion fables and committed to flame. Nay, I would still go further I would at once confess myself an atheist and deny that existence of a holy God. The Reverend Nathan Paul, July 5th, 1827 July 5th, 1827 The black church was born in slavery. Its existence symbolizes a people who were completely stripped of their African heritage as they were enslaved by the Christian white man. The white master forbade the slave from any remembrance of his homeland. The mobility created by the slave trade, the destruction of the family, and the prohibition of African languages served to destroy the social cohesion of the African slaves. The slave was a nothing in the eyes of the master, who did everything possible to instill this sense of nothingness in the mentality of the slave. The slave was rewarded and punished according to his adherence to the view of himself defined exclusively by the master. The black man was shackled in a hostile white world without any power to make the white man recognize him as a person. He had to devise means of survival. This accounts for the slave's preoccupation with death. Death was a compelling and ever-present reality for the slave because of the cheapness with which his life was regarded. The slave was a tool, a thing, a utility, a commodity, but he was not a person. He was faced constantly with the immediate, imminent threat of death, of which the terrible overseer was a symbol and the awareness that he, the slave, was the only Chattel property and dramatization. Death is winter lay his icy hands on me, Lord. Death is winter lay his icy hands on me, Lord. One morning I was walking alone. I heard a voice and saw no man. Said, go in peace, sin no more. Your sins forgiven and your soul set free. One of these mornings, it won't be long. You'll look for me and I'll be gone. The black church was the creation of a black people whose daily existence was an encounter with the overwhelming and brutalizing reality of white power. For the slaves, it was the sole source of personal identity and a sense of community. Though slaves had no social, economic, or political ties as a people. They had one humiliating factor in common, serfdom. The whole of their being was engulfed in a system intent on their annihilation as persons. Their response to this overwhelming fact of their existence ranged from suicide to outright rebellion. But few slaves committed suicide. Most refused to accept the white masses' definition of black humanity and rebelled with every ounce of their humanity in them. The black church became the home base for revolution. Some slaves even rebelled to the point of taking up arms against the white world. Others used the church as a means of transporting the slaves to less hostile territory. Northern independent black churches were stations in the Underground Railroad at which an escaping slave could get means either to become established in the north or go to Canada. Most used the church as a platform for announcing freedom and equality. I tell you, man, one of the most fascinating things about all of this, 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 this particular chapter four talking about the black church man and i'm going to spend some time interjecting often in this particular chapter i can see that because the black church in all of its many flaws has been an incredibly strong and very very important institution within the black collective it has always been that. It has always been. And, I, and when you hear people nowadays talk about the current state of uh, blacks in America, specifically for the context of this conversation, you often hear them refer to white Jesus and Christianity as being the responsible uh parties for being in their current position that we are currently in. And again, I'm not looking to dispute that. There is a level of truth there, and we just read in the text just now how many of the slaves were conditioned to look to death as the sole source of their freedom. So it makes sense that their theology would be a pie in the sky by and by looking towards uh, heaven as the source of their freedom. And in the, the slave context, that freedom would have been slavery, freedom from slavery. Now, even that doctrine hasn't died down, that doctrine hasn't, you know, dissolved, that doctrine hasn't been addressed by many within the, the Black Christian community, that doctrine is still very much present. You can go to many churches and still hear them preach a pie-in-the-sky type of sermon and theology, that everything is going to be okay tomorrow. Everything going to be okay when Jesus comes back. everything's going to be okay soon. It's never given tools and relief for things to be okay today, for things to be better now. And you don't see that, man. You see, you don't see it. And it's really, really vexing because when you actually study history, and I mean actually study history outside of social media, you see that black Christian men and women have been constantly on the front lines fighting in the struggle against white supremacy. I'm going to a little water on that. A little ice. Ooh. Excuse me. But you'll see that. You'll see Richard Allen, who was a member of the Methodist denomination, but decided that he was tired. He was tired of white Methodists, white Christians preaching how we were all in the same body, that we were all part of the same faith, yet Blacks, free and slave, had to sit in the balcony couldn't partake in the Lord's Supper together, couldn't pray together, couldn't worship together. So he went and started the AME Church, which till this day has been one of the most consistent denominations within the Christian faith fighting against inequality, oppression, and white supremacy. Then you have that the Henry Highland Garnetts of the world the David Walkers of the world. Then you have the Nat Turners of the world. You have a long, glorious list, the Absalom Jones of the world. You have a long list of black Christians who are fighting white supremacy, who are fighting. But what you don't see today or rather doesn't get as much recognition because there's still Black Christian men and women out there today. Black pastors out there, man, fighting against white supremacy. They're not getting the same type of notoriety in the publicity because it's not beneficial to have that information out there that that is taking place. But this notion, man, that Black Christians have Always are essentially responsible for the condition of the current state of black folks is is ludicrous. Ludicrous, I tell you, ludicrous. Killing me with that man. And the text reads. The black churchmen did not accept white interpretation of Christianity, which suggested the gospel was concerned with the freedom of the soul and not the body. While it is true that most of the spirituals are otherworldly and compensatory in character, and that many black preachers pointed to a land flowing with milk and honey, this fact must be viewed in light of the ever present dehumanizing reality of white power. See so when we talk about black Christians during slavery and and all that. We never talk about the influence. Well, we don't often talk about what black folks are going through in general when they make decisions and when they do things. It's always an isolated type of situation. But in light of the ever-present dehumanizing reality of white power, black Christians were out there doing what they needed to do in the midst of slavery, during Jim Crow, and after. The text reads, it is because whites completely destroyed their hopes in this world that blacks sang, I so glad trouble don't last always. And I know the other world is not like this. A large majority of black slaves refused to believe that God was irrelevant. But as they looked at this life, He appeared not to care. Therefore, in order to cling to hope, the average black slave had to look forward to another reality beyond time and space. Because they couldn't imagine that God would show up during that time. So they looked beyond. That's logical. The text reads, it should be emphasized, however, that even the slaves who look forward to a new life in heaven did not accept the view of the white preacher that God ordained slavery for them. White power may have persuaded some to be passive and accept the present reality of serfdom. But generally when slaves sing of heaven, it was because they realized the futility of rebellion, not because they accepted slavery, not because they accepted slavery. Sometimes it's forgotten that not all of the spirituals are otherworldly and compensatory. Some are protesting and rebellious in character, comparing their own enslavement with the Israelite bondage in Egypt. They sing, go down, Moses. Their approach may be subtle, but it's clear. When When Israel was in Egypt's land, let my people go. Oppressed so hard they could not stand, let my people go. Get down, Moses, way down in Egypt land, tear old Pharaoh, let my people go. Even more militant was, oh, freedom. The black slave knew to fight for freedom is to do the work of God. For him, death was profitable, preferable, excuse me, preferable to life in the latter must be in slavery. Consequently, he sang, oh, freedom, oh, freedom, oh, freedom over me. And before I be a slave, I'll be buried in my grave and go home to be Lord and be free. Other spirituals which reveal the slave's determination to relate Christianity to a life of freedom in this world are, I'm going to lay my life for the Lord. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart. I'm going to do all I can do for my Lord. And I want to live so God can use me. There is no suggestion here that Christianity is merely private, isolated, and unrelated to the conditions of this life. Christianity has to do with fighting with God against the evils of this life. One does not sit and wait on God to do all the fighting, but joins him in the fight against slavery. Therefore, they sang, comparing themselves with Joshua. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. The black church before the civil war. The birth of the independent black churches and teaching of the free black preachers show clearly that Christianity and early freedom were inseparable for the black man. The black church was born in protest. In this sense, it is the precursor to black power. Unlike the white church, its reality stemmed from the eschatological recognition that freedom and equality are at the sense of humanity and thus segregation and slavery are diametrically opposed to Christianity. Freedom and equality made up the certain central theme of the Black church, and protest action were the early marks of its uniqueness. As the Black man fought for freedom, white missionaries sought to extol the virtues of the next world, but Blacks were more concerned about their freedom in this world. Ironically, it was the Black man's deep concern for freedom and equality which led him to accept Christianity. He saw the white man's master, he saw the white master's religion was the best way of freedom. There are independent black churches today because black people refuse to accept the white master's view of Christian faith. As early as 1787, Richard Allen and his followers walked out of St. George Methodist Episcopal Church at Philadelphia because they refused to obey the dictates of white superiority. Allen describes the experience in this manner. We had not been long upon our knees before I heard considerable scuffling and low talking. I raised my hand up and saw one of the trustees having hold of Reverend Absalon Jones, pulling him up off his knees and saying, You must get up. You must not kneel here. Mr. Jones replied, Wait until prayer is over. No, you must get up now or I will call for aid and force your way. Mr. Jones said, Wait until prayer is over and I will trouble you no more. With that, he beckoned to one of the other trustees to come to his assistance. He came and went to William White to pull him up. By this time, prayer was over and we all went out of the church in a body and they were no more plagued with us in the church. My dear Lord was with us and we were filled with fresh vigor to get a house erected to worship God in. The organization of the African Methodist Episcopal Church followed soon after. Sometimes white northern churchmen want to distinguish their attitudes towards blacks from those of their southern brethren, suggesting that their doors have always been open to blacks. The doors may have been open, but only if blacks accepted their assigned places by whites. Northerners should be reminded that the existence of a black independent church among freedom freemen is due exclusive to black refusal to accept the racism deeply embedded in the structure of white churches. Like Southerners, white Northern churchmen did not regard blacks as equals and therefore regulated the affairs of the church life in the interests of white superiority. <laughs> the Richmond Island episode is one example of what blacks did throughout the North by freeing themselves from white control. Blacks were able to worship God in the true spirit of the gospel, independent of the claims of white supremacy. The black church became the only sphere of black existence that was free of white power. For this reason, the black church became the center for emphasis on freedom and equality. As Mason Nicholson say, relatively early, the church, and particularly the independent Negro church, furnished the one and only organized field in which slave suppressed emotion could be released, and the opportunities for him to develop his own leadership. <laughs> Some black preachers, like the Reverend Highland Garnett, even urged outright rebellion against the evils of white power. He knew that the appeals to love or goodwill would have little effect on minds warped by their own high estimation of themselves. Therefore, he taught that the spirit of liberty is a gift from God, and God thus endows the slave with zeal to break the chains of slavery. In an address to be sent to slaves in 1848 at Buffalo, New York, he said, if a band of Christians should attempt to enslave a race of heathen men and to entail slavery upon them and to keep them in heathenism in the midst of Christianity, the God of heaven would smile upon every effort which the injured might make to destroy themselves. Brethren, it is as wrong for your lordly oppressors to keep you in slavery as it is for the man thief to steal our ancestors from the coast of Africa. You should therefore now use the same manner of resistance as would have been just in our ancestors when the bloody footprints of the first remorseless soul thief were placed upon the shores of our fatherland. The humblest peasants as a free is free in the sight of the god, as the proudest monarch that ever swayed a scepter. Liberty is a spirit sent from God, and like his great author, it is no respecter of persons. Brethren, the time has come when you must act for yourselves. It is an old and true saying, if hereditary bondmen would be free, they must themselves strike the blow. If you want freedom, you yourself have to strike The blow. And the text reads, Nat Turner, a Baptist preacher and a slave, not only urged rebellion against white slave owners, but became an ardent leader of the most successful slave revolt he commissioned by God to leave slaves in a new age of freedom. In 1831, he and his group killed 60 whites in 24 hours before they were overpowered by local and state troops. While most black preachers did not take great part in revolts, few failed to see that God hated slavery. For the Reverend Nathaniel Paul, God had to hate it, and to the point of being actively involved in its elimination. Did I believe that slavery would always continue? I would at once confess myself an atheist and deny the existence of a holy God said Brother Nathaniel Paul. God must be against slavery and not merely passively against it, but actively fighting it to destroy it. It was impossible to believe in God and at the same time accept slavery as ordained by him. Most black preachers were thus in a state of existential absurdity. They could not understand why God even permitted slavery. Like the biblical Job, they knew that whatever their sins or the sins of their forefather, They could not justify slavery. The punishment did not fit the crime. Furthermore, they knew that their white oppressors were no more righteous than they. It was a contradiction with Nathaniel Paul, what led Nathaniel Paul to ask. Tell me, you mighty waters, why did you sustain the ponderous load of misery? Or speak ye winds and say why it was that ye executed your office to waft them onward to the still more dismal state. And ye proud waves, why did you refuse to lend your aid and have overwhelmed them with your bellows? Then should they have slept sweetly in the bosom of the great sea, and so have been hid from sorrow. And O thou immaculate God, be not angry with us while we come into their sanctuary and make the bold inquiry of this holy temple. Why it was that thou didst look on with calm indifference of an unconcerned spectator, when thy holy law was violated, thy divine authority despised, and a portion of thy own creatures reduced to a state of mere misalance and misery. And the text reads, these words sound like a job or Habakkuk, questioning the righteousness of God. Slavery is contradictory to the character of God It is absurd to affirm the love of God and watch men brutalized by whips of white power. God must answer if he expects a black man to be a servant. Therefore, Nathaniel Paul can only affirm his faith in God in view of his assurance that God hates slavery and that his righteousness prevails over evil. Hark! While he answers from on high, Hear God proclaiming from the skies, be still and know that I am God. Clouds of darkness are around about me, yet righteousness and judgment are the habitation of my throne. I do my will and pleasure in the heavens above. And in the earth beneath is my sovereign prerogative to bring good out of evil and cause the wrath of man to praise me. And the remainder of that wrath will restrain. We can easily see that his view of God, of Christianity, is closely tied to the present reality of this world. There is no suggestion here that the gospel is unrelated to this life. God cannot be God, a God worthy of worship and praise and also ordain or even permit slavery. To think otherwise is to deny reality. How can one affirm his existence and believe that he permits slavery? It was this contradiction which disturbed the very souls of the black preachers. Belief in God was not only easy for them, it was an awesome experience, burdened with responsibility. Daniel A. Payne and A.M.E. Bishop, elected in 1852, put it this way, Sometimes it seems as though some wild beast has plunged its fangs into my heart and was squeezing out its lifeblood. Then I began to question the existence of God and to say, if he does exist, is he just? If so, why does he suffer One race to oppress and enslave another to rob them by unrighteous enactments of rights, which they hold most dear and sacred. Sometimes I wish for the lawmakers what Nero wished that the Romans had but one neck. I would be the man to sever the head from his shoulders again, said I, is there no God? Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our reading for tonight. We are currently in Chapter 4 of Black Theology and Black Power. This has been Episode 17 with your boy, Big L. Till next time.